The biceps and triceps, you can find them on the front and back of the arm. By learning them, you learn how to master the muscles one compartment at a time, and you learn how muscle names tell you actions, shapes, and attachments. Hello and welcome to this episode. This is Seth Jump, professor for Anatomy on the Go. Glad you're listening today. I'm bringing back a bit of content from the podcast archives. And to get all of this and all kinds of other episodes from muscles to blood vessels to nerves, simply follow the link in the show notes. You also get some supplementary books as well. In this particular episode today, I mention a challenge question, and we actually get right to it at the start of the episode. So I'll mention the challenge question now, and then if you want to think about it, pause the episode, you can. The question is, what creates muscle compartments? What makes them distinct compartments? And so we'll get to that here in a minute. And at the end of the episode, you'll hear the triple threes, which is something I did in season two, three types of questions, three questions for each type. Let's go ahead and get started for today. So before we get into the content for today's episode, I want to answer the challenge question that I asked you at the end of episode 21. So let's address the challenge question I asked you at the end of the previous episode. And so we have a little uh, summary here, a little synthesis. We are about to talk about muscle compartments. So what that means is that we will talk about the anterior arm and posterior compartments of the arm, as well as the anterior and posterior compartments of the forearm. So the question was, what creates these compartments and what makes them distinct compartments? The answer is deep fascia. Now, what in the world is deep fascia? It's actually a type of connective tissue known as dense regular connective tissue. So let me just backtrack for just a second. We have four tissue types, epithelial, muscle, nervous, and then connective tissue. And so then we have subtypes of connective tissue. Connective tissue connects, and one of the types is dense regular connective tissue. And it has specific names depending on where it is. So in the arm, we call this deep fascia brachial fascia. In the forearm, we call it antebrachial fascia. So this fascia itself actually creates anterior and posterior compartments of the arm. It does the same thing in the forearm. We have anterior and posterior compartments of the forearm. And so what also, of course, creates compartments is are the bones in each region. For example, in addition to the brachial fascia in the arm, the humerus itself also helps make these distinct compartments. And so on yourself, you can actually see clearly a distinct separation of muscles with entirely different functions on the anterior side of the humerus and then the posterior side of the humerus. Same thing could be said of the anterior side of the forearm. And so if your palm is facing you um, and your thumb is rotated laterally, you can see right now the anterior compartment of the forearm and then the posterior compartment simply just on the other side. So these muscles, depending on the compartments, have entirely distinct functions. And you can use this as a, a study strategy for yourself, which I'll describe here in just a moment. 
So you can approach learning anatomy in various ways, and I find that the combination of uh, learning by human anatomy systems and learning regionally is pretty helpful, but it's often uh, pretty helpful to start with systems. Uh, so that's what episodes 1 through 16 of the podcast were designed to do, help you learn all the human anatomy systems, skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular, respiratory, and all the other systems. And then you could, having had that as a base, you can go into the uh, learning anatomy uh, in different distinct regions of the body. So you, you could talk about the regions of of shoulder, arm, forearm, hand. You could go to the lower limb and talk about hip, thigh, leg, foot. And you could go further and talk about the thoracic region, the abdominal region, the pelvic region. Now, when we're talking about the upper limb, one thing you could do to make it even easier for you to kind of segment all this content, break it down into different parts that are pretty logical is to learn by compartment. And so we are actually going to do this for the upper limb. We're going to talk about the anterior arm and we're going to talk about the posterior arm. So when you learn by compartment, you can learn all the different structures that are in the anterior arm compartment. So all the muscles, that's biceps brachii, brachialis and coracobrachialis. You can learn the innervation, which is the musculocutaneous nerve. And then you can learn the blood flow. So brachial artery and branches of the brachial artery. And so for the posterior arm, you're learning the muscle. In this case, it's just one, but you have three distinct heads, and that is the long lateral and medial triceps brachii. So you could also learn the innervation for that compartment, which is the radial nerve, and then the blood flow brachial and deep brachial uh, for the triceps brachii. So if you learn by compartment, take this a little bit further, you can learn all the different components of the anterior forearm. So all the muscles, the innervation, the blood vessels there, same thing for the posterior forearm, same thing for the palmar surface and the uh, dorsal surface of the hand or anterior posterior surface. Then you could go to the lower limb and do the exact same thing. What are all the different structures within the anterior thigh, posterior thigh, anterior leg, posterior leg, and then the dorsal surface of the foot and the plantar surface of the foot. So it's a nice way to further divide or further break down the content to more manageable bits. And the nice thing about this as well is the muscles in these compartments tend to work together and uh, the muscles in the opposite compartment tend to do the opposite. And so I'll describe to you what those terms are that we use for muscles that do the same thing and muscles that do uh, the opposite thing. Physical and mental fatigue is often the biggest barrier to success in any activity involving strength, endurance, and mental focus. I've been on the lookout for something that could help boost athletic performance during my training and workouts, which is why I'm so happy that I found the AminoCo. They offer 100% science-backed essential amino acid formula called Perform. Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf, who has completed 62 marathons in under 2 hours and 30 minutes and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. Perform is keto-friendly, soy-free, vegan, gluten-free, without any nasty GMOs. Perform is formulated to minimize muscle breakdown during exercise and maximize muscle growth after exercise. I use Perform to give me a boost for my different workouts, including running on the treadmill, interval training, weight training, and martial arts training. I train jiu-jitsu and karate. Personally, I have noticed a boost in my ability to sustain my performance during exercise. I tend to notice less of a dip or a tapering off of muscular performance. I've also experienced improvements in mental clarity and focus. 
Also, as a huge bonus, it tastes delicious. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any other protein source. You can check out their science by visiting aminoco.com anatomy. And while you're there, when you use the discount code anatomy, you get 30% off at checkout. One more time, visit aminoco.com anatomy and use the discount code anatomy for 30% off. Okay, let's head back to the arm and talk about origin, insertion, and action, what the muscles do. So remember, the arm is the region between the scapula and the elbow, so the humerus, basically what muscles are superficial to the humerus. And so we will talk about three muscles here in the anterior arm. Those are coracobrachialis, biceps brachii, and brachialis. Let's start with coracobrachialis, simply just named for its attachments. So the origin is the coracoid process, and then the brachialis part refers to the fact that it attaches on the humerus. So it's actually inserting on the medial border of the humerus. And then what it does, you recall from a previous episode, it's going to flex the humerus and then also stabilize the anterior aspect of the glenohumeral joint. That's the connection of the scapula to the humerus. So all things considered as well, with respect to flexion of the humerus, the coracobrachialis definitely has a supporting role, right? The leading characters there are deltoid, pectoralis major, for example, they're doing a lot more to flex the humerus than the coracobrachialis is. Also in the anterior arm, we're going to find biceps brachii. So terminology-wise, remember that bi refers to two, and then seps refers to heads. So we have two distinct heads for the biceps brachii. It's going to be superficial to the humerus. That brachii tells you that. And so the short head of this muscle actually attaches to the coracoid process. And then the long head attaches to a structure called the supraglenoid tubercle, which is basically a little protuberance or bony bump that's superior to the glenoid fossa. So it just tells you that the supraglenoid, so above the glenoid, and then it's a tubercle for a bony bump or protuberance that's just superior to that glenoid fossa. And then both heads together are going to insert on the radial tuberosity. This is a protuberance or bump on the proximal part of the radius. And when the biceps brachii contracts, when it does its thing, it's going to be a flexor supinator. So the supination component is going to roll the radius around so that the thumb is then pointing more laterally. And then uh, flexion, of course, is going to be pulling the forearm toward the arm. And so it's going to have this combination of actions there. It's going to be a flexor supinator. Whereas the next muscle, the brachialis, is the primary flexor in all positions. And so if you're going to pull the biceps brachii to the side, you're going to, you're going to find the brachialis muscle that's deep to it. The origin of this muscle is going to be the anterior humerus. And so we're talking about the lower half of the humerus. And so that's actually toward the elbow, right? And then it's going to insert on the coronoid process. The coronoid process is a, a process or a part that sticks out that's just below the trochlear notch of the ulna. 
And so remember that the trochlear notch is going to be the part that wraps around the trochlea of the humerus. So this process is just below. It's kind of a part that sticks out a little bit more, and that's where the brachialis is going to insert. So in all positions, we find the brachialis being the primary flexor, whereas the biceps brachii is going to be a flexor supinator. Now on the posterior arm, we're going to find the triceps brachii. So try for three, seps for head, brachii, because it's in the region of the arm, uh, superficial to the humerus, which is uh, brachium. And so we, we're going to find uh, three distinct heads, and those three distinct heads are long, lateral, and medial. The long, actually, uh, the origin of that particular head is the infraglenoid tubercle. So now we're talking about a tubercle that's inferior to the glenoid fossa and a bony bump just inferior to the glenoid fossa. Then the lateral head of the triceps brachii arises from the proximal humerus. And so this is the part of the humerus, um, in this case, that's above a, a structure called the radial groove. And so you're going to find that as kind of an oblique line or groove on the posterior humerus. And then the medial head is about halfway down the humerus. Okay, now all of these fibers actually converge. They come together uh, the different heads come together and converge to insert on the olecranon process. So that's the big, bulky, funny-looking proximal part of the ulna. So if you, right now you flex, you bring your forearm towards your arm, the part that's that pointing away from you, that is the olecranon process. And then what these different heads do, their, their collective action is to extend. And so basically to draw the forearm away from the arm and make your arm, your, your elbow basically straight. Whereas the muscles on the other side, the anterior arm, are responsible for the opposite action. So posterior arm, triceps brachii, extension at the elbow. Okay, so what gives, man? You're talking about the coracobrachialis. That's flexion. Now we're talking about the elbow flexion. We're talking about elbow extension. So remember that flexion is either movement forward or decreasing the angle of a joint. And then when we talk about extension, we're talking about increasing the angle of a joint or movement backward. And so that's why we're talking about opposing actions for interarm, pulling the forearm, reducing the angle of the joint, pulling the forearm toward the arm, whereas extension is increasing the angle of the joint, making the elbow straight, basically. Okay, so talking about flexion and extension and these different compartments leads us to some terms that we could describe. So muscles that have a certain action, and we could just say elbow flexion or elbow extension, are agonists. And then we have muscles that have the opposite or an opposing action, and these are called antagonists. So let's just talk about flexion and extension here at the elbow. So for elbow flexion, the agonist is, we'll just say brachialis. You could add biceps brachii as well. And then the antagonist for that action is going to be the triceps brachii. It has the opposite opposing action to the agonist, in this case, biceps brachii brachialis. So if one is actually contracted, the other one can't be in this case, right? If we talk about elbow extension, the agonist, what achieves that action is the triceps brachii. And then the antagonists are biceps brachii brachialis. Uh, they oppose the action of elbow extension. Now, we could talk about muscles that have the same action. And if muscles have the same action, they're said to be synergists. So an example from this episode is the biceps brachii and brachialis. 
They are synergists with respect to elbow flexion, with the little wrinkle there that the biceps brachii is a flexor supinator. And then we could also talk about muscles you learned in previous episodes. So we could talk about scapular retraction. And synergists for this action would be the middle fibers of the trapezius muscle, as well as rhomboid major and rhomboid minor. We could also say uh, elevation of the scapula. And then you could talk about the upper fibers of the trapezius muscle, and then also levator scap as well, levator scapulae. Those are synergists for elevation of the scapula. Okay, it's time in the episode for the triple threes. Three types of questions, three questions for each type. So I have a true-false, then what attaches to, and then I'll list a landmark, and then ask and answer. So here we go with true-false first. Brachial fascia is found in the forearm. So that would be false, right? Uh, Brachial fascia is found in the arm. Antibrachial fascia is found in the forearm. Next one, biceps brachii is superficial to brachialis. That's true, right? Superficial means toward the surface. The brachialis is underneath the biceps brachii. Next true, false. The lateral head of the triceps brachii attaches to the lateral scapula. That's false. Actually, the long head of the triceps brachii attaches to the infraglenoid tubercle, which is a lateral landmark on the scapula. Okay, next we have what attaches to, and then I'm going to list the landmark, and then you tell me what muscle attaches to it. So the first one here, coracoid process. So of the muscles we chatted about today, we have two, coracobrachialis, as well as the short head of the biceps brachii. Next, supraglenoid tubercle. So that's actually the long head of the biceps brachii. How about posterior humerus? Let's just say about halfway down. And that would be the medial head of the triceps brachii. Okay, now we have ask and answer. What muscle is a flexor supinator? And for that, we'd say biceps brachii. Where does the brachialis muscle insert? And for that, that is the coronoid process. And then lastly here, ask and answer, where does the triceps brachii insert? And so that would be the olecranon process of the ulna, that bulky, funny-looking head at the top of the ulna. Thanks for listening to today's episode. So this is going live on New Year's Eve Eve in real time, 2022, and hope you have had enjoyable holidays, and I wish you a happy new year as well. And so until the next episode drops in 2023, all the very best, good luck with your studying, and I'll see you later.